0: Hey, how's it going? Suzanne here, producer of Midwesternish. You know, this podcast is only made possible because listeners like you support it. So you can help us out by going to KCUR.org slash Midwesternish. That's KCUR.org slash Midwesternish. And click on that donate button at the top of the page there. All right. Thanks. You grew up in Clay Center, Kansas. Yes. What is that community like?
1: Well, Clay Center. Um, when I try to describe it to people, to be honest, I don't think they actually believe me. It's a little farming community. It's very rural. Um, I think the population is about five thousand, and um, you know, it, it never it never grows and it never shrinks. It's five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a really tight-knit community where you you might walk down Main Street and everyone speaks to you and actually says, Hi, Vanessa. (laughs) Um, And you know, I would say, Hi, Mr. or Mrs. and
0: I knew their name. Vanessa Thomas had a happy childhood in a cheerful little farming community. In fact, she credits that childhood for her success as a musician on the international stage. It was that perfect, all-American, small-town upbringing they say exists, even though no one I know actually had this childhood. Vanessa says she did. But the year she turned four, that year, things felt different. I would
1: go to the grocery store with mom and, you know, people would say hi, as they do in Clay Center. Hi, you know. (laughs) Um, And then I... Would hide. I, I remember running to hide behind her, and you know, say things like, "Are they going to take me?" You know, oh.
0: <laughs> why are they talking to us? From a dot in the middle of the map, this is Midwesternish. I'm Gina Kaufman. On this episode, the idyllic childhood in a cozy little town. Does that still exist? Did it ever? And who better to appreciate it than someone who came to it through dark circumstances? So Vanessa was not born in Clay Center. She came there to live with the Foster family when she was a baby, just eight or ten months old.
1: And so we don't know all of the details of what happened to me and why I was brought to their home. But I do know that um, I, in most of my infant pictures, I have a cast on my on my leg, and it was a, a foot cast that went all the way up. You can see um, to my above my knee. Um, so I had some broken bones um, and. Part of the story unfolds because I kept going back to my biological parents for visits occasionally. And each time that would happen, I would have um, more abuse. So you would
0: come back to your foster parents with physical signs of having been harmed?
1: Correct. Or I wouldn't be able to come back. I'd have to go to the hospital. Oh my gosh! For, with, you know, like a social worker or something. So I look at all of these details, um, the ones that I do have in in paper on paper and files, and it seems like such a crazy story. It can't be mine, um, but it really did happen.
0: Vanessa doesn't remember any of this.
1: You know, it's almost a no man's land.
0: The memories really begin when she was four.
1: Around age four is when it all kind of came to fruition and um, I was to be adopted. Uh, Finally, that happened, and the state of Kansas stepped in, and um, my case actually went to the Kansas Supreme Court. Um, And so I remember that year. um, At some point, I was very nervous all the time because I knew that I wanted to stay where I was with my family, you know. And my mom and dad wanted to adopt me, and I called the mom and dad, and I didn't know any other mom and dad. And I had this family of four brothers and a sister, and I was home, but. I knew that there was a possibility that I wouldn't get to stay.
0: And that's why she was so freaked out when people said hi to her in the grocery store.
1: That was um, maybe more traumatic, you know, and cemented in my brain than the other actual physical events that took place.
0: And with all that trauma, one thing basically saved her.
1: But... That being said, there would be times when a torrent of emotion would come out and I just didn't know what that was. You know, what are these feelings, I guess, because in general, I felt very little. I was kind of a numb, even keel. I kept things pretty, pretty home base. Um, So I think that music came to me as the only way that I could express myself. Meaning I never stopped singing. I never stopped going to the piano to make songs. It was just how I communicated.
0: Can you remember how music felt to you then?
1: It was, um, well, uh, goosebumps. (laughs) You know when your hair stands on end in a good way and you get goosebumps? Um, that's, That's how I've always felt when I sing.
0: Just going way, way back to when you were tiny. Exactly. You've talked about growing up in Clay Center, and you've talked about your family arrangements and, and how you had this, really, it sounds like a great family once yes. you were truly at home and could leave the limbo of uh, back and forth with the biological family behind. Um, but you've also mentioned that you were the one of the few people of color in Clay Center. Yes.
1: I am um, African American and white, so I'm mixed, and, you know, I don't, I know that if you look at me, um, I don't look white, but, you know, that's there's more to my identity than um, being brown also. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the community was really great. And I like to think that um, music paved the way for that because I'm sure that, you know, in any tiny rural farming community, um, there could be. Ignorance, or there could be um, racism that exists and has for you know many centuries, probably. But I really did not experience that in any real way, and so I was completely sheltered from that. Um, and when I went out into the real world, um, I started realizing, oh wow, yeah, you know, people see me as a black woman. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> what did that feel like? I mean,
1: what form did that take? Well, um, I think. Their expectations of me um, were different than the me that I gave them. When people met me, they expected me to perhaps be a jazz singer or to um, have a focus in singing spirituals, uh, African-American spirituals.
0: Vanessa didn't grow up listening to jazz.
1: I grew up listening to Pavarotti and Domingo and all of the great opera singers. But I think You know, people have an idea when they see me what I will be like. And I'm just me. I'm Vanessa from a small town farming community. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. Uh, We might sing that tune or we might sing.
0: Bam! That's Vanessa's vocal range. She's a professional musician now, and she tours the country with a familiar persona. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Johnny! Not Johnny, but close. The Tonight Show, hosted by the legendary Johnny Carson, was on the air for 30 years, 10 p.m. every night. Your parents probably watched it, and a big part of that show was... Well, that opened. Trumpeter Doc Severinsen led the band. He was a real character on the show. And his flamboyant outfits get a weird amount of credit for that, but he and Johnny had a real rapport. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? We're, we're, we're doing a show, of course, tomorrow. I was going to ask you if you got your turkey yet. Sure. They used to banter kind of a lot. Do you help Mrs. Carson prepare the turkey? Just like you helped Mrs. Sevinson prepare the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there there is no Mrs. <laughs> oh, Severinsen. that's right. right. <laughs> that's right I, there used to be I, I'm sorry, I didn't Vanessa tours the country with Doc. She plays big venues like the Hollywood Bowl, and she does it all while maintaining a quiet little life in Kansas. It's kind of amazing. But her path wasn't a straight shot.
1: Definitely not.
0: And Clay Center, Kansas, that small Kansas town where she's from, had almost everything to do with it. I grew up and was surrounded by the arts. That certainly isn't the stereotype of growing up in a small farming community.
1: A lot of acts that were coming through uh, to Kansas City or Manhattan or, you know, any of the larger towns, Salina even, um, would we would get them in Clay Center on their way to something. Um, so I grew up listening to a lot of live music and live concerts um, in our town.
0: Vanessa got an early start on her music lessons.
1: I was, I think, five when I started begging my parents for piano lessons. I say begging because I was very insistent. I wanted to learn to play the piano. Um, And it was, for some reason, it was everything. It was all important to me. Um, I just knew that we were going to be friends, the piano and I. Um, And so In Clay Center we had uh, just a couple piano teachers and they did not start teaching students until second grade. So I began I think in the summer of my first grade year. We got to start a little bit early um, and I'm sure my mom was glad because I stopped my incessant whining and immediately I, I just learned to play. It was just like a duck in water. It was what I was supposed to do.
0: In high school, she wrote her own half-hour show, which she performed around town at, like, the Rotary Club and weddings and stuff like that. And that's when all the music teachers and band leaders and choral directors in Clay Center realized she was going to need more training than they could offer. So the whole town got together and raised money to send her to a performing arts camp, one of the best in the country. Recruiters offered her giant scholarship packages for music school, And she did go to college for a year, but then she took off for New York. That's what she considers her real education. There, in New York, she went backstage at the Metropolitan Opera to learn from the best. No less than four times a week. But it was on a trip back home that she met Doc. He'd done a lot of clinics in small Midwestern towns, including Clay Center. Just not when Vanessa was a kid.
1: He met some of my brothers and sisters and they played with him, Uh, but not me. He was busy with The Tonight Show.
0: In all those years, stopping through town, he'd become friends with this family that brought a bunch of that art stuff to Clay center in the first place. And so when the family matriarch turned 99, Vanessa and Doc were both scheduled to perform for the party. They met during soundcheck.
1: I was almost through uh, to the end of the piece, and I saw somebody walking in the back of the auditorium, and I thought, oh, it's probably a janitor or somebody's, one of the musicians here, ready to use the stage or something. So when we wrapped up, Doc had walked all the way from the back of the auditorium to the front and he said, I thought they were testing the equipment and you were a, a record, which, you know, a CD, I think he meant. And, <laughs> and um, I said, no, it's me. And he said, well, who are you? And I said, I'm Vanessa. And he said, well, where, where did you come from? And I said, I come from Clay Center. And he said, what? And I said, well, Doc, all the good people do.
0: Vanessa's first show with Doc Severinsen was in Minneapolis. I
1: walked into Orchestra Hall, a couple few thousand people, and um, I sang one of my pieces and the auditorium was silent, like there was no noise and I was clearly done with my piece. And I looked over at Doc on stage, who was conducting and had finished. He looked at me and we both just kind of froze and... In about five seconds, everyone shot to their feet and started yelling, and it was like a thunderous roar.
0: now Vanessa is living her dream. Can you explain what that means to you?
1: (laughs) Well, um, for me, it means a lot of things that I always wanted, I now have. Um, For one thing, uh, being adopted, I always had a dream of having my own children. And um, I have four wonderful kids, and we have a great time. It's it's a busy, crazy, hectic life, but um, I really have enjoyed, um, you know, being a mom. Um, And then the second part of my dream um, is, of course, being able to support myself with a career in music.
0: And despite having a high profile national gig, she spends most of the year being a regular person in Kansas because she wants to give her kids what she had growing up.
1: I think people really don't believe when they see me at the grocery store in yoga pants that I could be anyone. And I, I kind of like that. Um, but at the same time, I made these choices so that I could be a present mom with my kids. And I, I really have enjoyed being there for them. But, you know, we can watch the Oscars and I can say, oh, there's Wayne. I played with him at the Hollywood Bowl.
0: And what was it she got in Clay Center that she hasn't been able to find in New York or L.A.? You
1: know, I had the open sky and I could play in the yard I I could go around the community with my friends we had a a pretty pretty sweet
0: deal in in Clay Center (laughs) Midwesternish is a podcast from KCUR studios made by me and Suzanne Hogan Sylvia Maria Gross is our editor if you have a Midwesternish story you want to tell please do We're putting together a live event in Kansas City this spring, and your story could end up being a part of it. Call us and leave a voicemail at 816-235-2797. Just keep your pitch to a minute or less. 816-235-2797. Also, I host a live radio show on Kansas City's public radio station. It's called Central Standard, and it is available at kcur.org. I guess that's it, but more episodes are on the way, so keep an eye out. I'm Gina Kaufman. I love you, Midwest.